Hello and welcome to episode 1230 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Friday, November 17th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's still just barely morning here, about five till uh, till noon. But uh, yeah, go, going all right. It's Friday. I'm excited to talk some baseball. Uh, the awards came in. We uh, we learned kind of a weird way that you're in the BBWA. I kind of just thought that's something that you would share, but I guess we're not there where you don't tell me. Because how else would you explain the TJ Friedel vote? MZ Friedel. Right up there, MV Friedel, baby. And, you know, I respect your restraint of not just voting him first. It would have made it too obvious. Like, that's that's some Uh, really strong restraint by you. Oh, he did. Pardon me. I thought it was just the one vote. Yeah, no, he got, I think it was like a fifth and a sixth place vote. Um, And we were just joking earlier that Charlotte got a vote mm -hmm. because I was going to go to the Charlotte cam and just Mm -hmm. uh, use that all stream. And then you were going to pretend that she voted. For yeah. I have I would have to adjust it. It's it's set for nighttime. That's why it looks like that. Mm. But um, anyway, so yeah, <laughs> that was pretty cool though. I like down ballot voting like that. I have no problem with it. Obviously, one of the funnier ones of recent year was uh, Ryan Tapera, but that was actually an accident. It was supposed to be Trey mm-hmm. Turner, and he clicked on the wrong guy. But I like seeing guys that like kind of get some due for having a great season. He wasn't the MVP. But TJ Fredo had an amazing year. And are you comfortable with people like using down ballot votes on guys that like they're not really the MVP, but we're trying to get some shine on their on their season? It's not like they're voting guys that are like a one win season or anything. TJ Fredo was a legit badass. Do you like cool down ballot votes like that, even when they're not of one of your favorite players? Yeah, I think it's kind of cool. I also like when uh, voters vote, you know, for guys they know aren't going to make it into the Hall of Fame, but they just like, you know, hey, this taste. was a, yeah, this was a really good dude who played the game well and, uh, you know, he's on the ballot. So I'm going to use one of my votes there, you know. Yep. Uh, so. As long as there's not like 10 majorly deserving guys that you really should be focused on getting in, yeah, I'm totally chill with that. I agree. So, oh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's cool because I think, you know, I mean, if you're not a fantasy baseball player and you don't live in the Cincinnati area, do you even know who TJ Friedel is? Probably not. Uh, Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Unless you're like an NL fan that sees him or NL Central that sees him a bunch. Yeah. It, it Because baseball is such a regional game. If you're not playing fantasy, you're like, who? Who's TJ Friedel? Uh, yeah, exactly. MV Friedel to you, MFers. Mm-hmm. MV Friedel, baby. So just took him in our gladiator. Not that I was about to, ago, that, so. man, your segue, your segue I'm, game I'm is really too. sharpened up. Um, yeah, I was going to segue into our gladiator draft for those that don't know what that is. That's a 23 round draft where that's it. You draft your starting lineup and it's a battle of attrition. Hence gladiator. We played these last year. We talked about them. They were a lot of fun. It's crazy to kind of see, um, you know, of the ones that we drafted, which ones stood the test of time? Like, dang, this was the one I thought was the worst. And now it has, you know, two legit closers, an ace, and a whole lineup. So this is my best one now. Um, we've been going through this. We're kind of in the middle rounds right now. We're actually in round 14. I'm actually a pick away that I might end up making on on the pod here of Zach Waxman picks, and he's usually very quick about picking so i imagine that he'll get to it as soon as he sees it but uh you had the nine slot i've got the two slot how you feeling about your team so far you open with turner riley diaz nola and real muto as your top five that's edwin diaz um i don't think anybody else's name is confusing it's not austin nola it was aaron yeah it was aaron nola um 
Yeah, I, I don't love it. Um, got what's sniped. the what's the hang up on it right now? Is there a position? Is an overall feel? I would have liked a better starting pitcher one. Um, okay, and uh, I kind of you know I, I took well one uh, I really wanted Spencer Strider and I was hoping I would get Spencer Strider uh, and he went one pick in front of me. It really makes me feel. I mean, I'm not complaining about Trey Turner from the one spot or from yeah. the ninth spot. Like that's that's totally fine. But I feel like there is probably like eight like clear elite options um so you think that's uh, a cutoff because we went acuna i took carol Witt, j-rod tatis tucker betts strider so you feel like there was a jump a little bit of a dip down now to the turner judge yeah. freeman soto group that went next i mean i don't mind any of those guys uh, sure going after that eight spot but i think yeah for me like i feel like eight may be my sweet spot this year okay. uh, unless i want to you know do something like pocket aces or uh you know i wouldn't mind having like a, a 15 pick or a 14 pick uh depending on you know especially once pitchers start pushing up because then you could do something like you know jose ramirez juan soto uh, or jose ramirez like freddie freeman um at the uh, at the back end but and then i took austin riley uh, again another instance in where like i was like okay i'm hoping you know like ozzy albies falls um went, i like riley the, both braves went the yeah before you too it's not that yeah. you got sniped a few picks ahead literally right at your pick but you settled for another brave who's also very good and you know kind of i don't want to say riley's boring he's he's boring in the upper reaches here in that like he's 30 100 250 yeah. 260 kind of locked in at There's third base wrong where that. yeah where which that's what you drops want. off so exactly and he hit 281 so, last year by the way i'm not saying he can't do that again but i'm saying projection probably going to go 260 30 100 and if you're working at that baseline that's just solid yeah um i thought there was a a good chance that like gallon or wheeler or maybe even like Luis Castillo might be available in the third round for me. And so that's why I went with a hitter. Um, mm -hmm. And of course they all went. Um, and so I just, I took the best closer in off order. the, yeah, yeah. I took the best closer left off the board um, mm -hmm. with the hopes that, you know, a guy like Pablo Lopez or the guy I really wanted, Tariq Skubal, would be there in the fourth round. And also once again, <laughs> yeah, right before me. Um, <laughs> So like, I, oh, man. you know, it's, it's been a draft of um, uh, just getting sniped by the two you get guys. True snipes too, right? Yeah. Like for me, it has to be a pick or two. Ideally, the one like right before your pick is a true snipe. But you can't be telling me that a guy who went nine picks before you picked you got sniped on. No, you didn't. And I mean, but when it's like right by your pick, there, that's frustrating. It's my own bad, you know. One because I should have just took you know guys where i should have just took guys but um two uh both guys at the eight and the ten spot um are in our discord and we invited them to join us yeah. in the draft uh and so they are they're crushing me uh kevin carlson russell withers so um yeah it's been uh, uh it's been a little bit of brutal draft uh, so i, I mean, like what i try if i if i can make you feel a little bit better though like i i understand being harsh on yourself there's no problem with that 
But I look at it, I'm like, you're putting together a good crew here. I like it. You got two two closers, Diaz and, and Presley, both on good teams. Obviously have some some scare questions about the leg for Diaz and just kind of the age and general health, which actually includes leg issues for Presley. But they're both on what should be good teams. One, a great team, Houston. The other, I don't think the Mets are going to be terrible again. Maybe they are, but he'll still get a bunch of saves. Um, you got the Cardinals ace, Aaron Nola. I said what mm-hmm. I said. I still yep. think that that's, that's just such that's a good That's where he's going to end up, yeah. To go with Steele, Bybee, and Garrett. So you got kind of three younger – like Steele's not yet super young, but so he's kind of in that middle. And then Bybee and Garrett, two young guys coming up. You got your boy Friedel. You snaked Kerry Carpenter from me, but again, that's eight picks from my pick, so I can't say you sniped me. But you, but you went ahead and scooped him. I like the Adamas pick. Um, Real Muto, you got yourself a premium catcher. I don't know. I think you're putting together a good crew. I understand getting sniped literally three times the pick before you is a kick in the butt, but uh, I think you're putting together a solid crew here. Definitely a, a worthy yeah, draft going I, on. I definitely don't hate it. Uh, it's just not something. There's there's no picks where I go, ha, that's the pick. That's my, the pick yeah. that makes me feel like I just got a, either tremendous value or like that's the pick that's going to help me win the whole league, but it's a bunch of really solid players. Um, I don't think I mixed in a ton of risk uh, into it, so which, Which I think exactly is important. The right move yeah. in this format. Yeah. With no bench, you just have to have guys who are going to play. Um, and Boring that's why, is like, fine. Like, I, w- I was thinking about Wyatt Langford, who's still on the board, yes. um, with my last pick, you know, because he's now like 40, 50, 70 picks behind, 70 picks behind ADB. Mm-hmm. And I love Wyatt Langford's upside. The problem is, well, we all think he has a chance to make the opening day roster or at least be up early on in the season. Would you be surprised if he's not up until July? Like, and then all of a sudden you are taking a zero, um, a built in zero for the first half of the season. And so like, even in if this it's like format, Memorial Day, you yeah. know, that's two months. Like that's, that's yeah. tough in this format where you have nothing then. Yeah. I mean, what killed my gladiator last year um, was I mean one Alec Manoa because you can't bench him and he just yes, torches me, pummeling um, you. Uh, and then you know injuries. I mean injuries hurt. Like I had Jose Altuve missed a large portion of the season. I you know other guys who got hurt and um, you just it's everybody's gonna lose guys, but you have to really stay as risk averse as possible. I think in this format. How do you liking your sure. team? I, I am liking my team pretty well. Did you see Charlotte open that door there? It was like almost completely closed and she found a way to, to wriggle it open. It's like super impressive. I, I have a cat. Um, and this cat is massive. It's like, he, you know, she needs a diet like Matt so cat? bad, like pretty close, like not quite that. Um, but like, she's, she's pretty, pretty darn close. Um, and she's very, uh, she, she wants to sleep in our room all the time, which I, mm-hmm. I dislike one. Um, just because I don't want a cat fucking sleeping on my bed. Uh, but two, because uh, when you won't let her out of the room in the middle of the night, she'll just shit somewhere, which is like, you know, not okay with me. Not, um, not what you mm-hmm. want. No. So, but, and so I've been trying to like lock her out of the room. Uh, she's so fat that she just like totally like 
police like SWAT style fucking just runs into the door as fast as she, yep. her little fat ass can. That's hilarious. Um, and breaks open the door. It'll be like two o'clock in the morning, and we'll, I'll hear her, and then all of a sudden, that was like the warning. Like, yeah, it's a siren. Open up, Here I and come. then fucking she just battering rams her body into the door. It's um. It's pretty funny objectively, but also super annoying. When it's like yes. Oh my God. That's really funny. Char will also use her head. She's getting through. Meanwhile, Henry is so scared. He's bigger than Char. Of course he's stronger. He could push the door open easier, but he like barely touches it. He has real struggles. Even when the door is like pretty much open, Char battering ram. And if you look, review the YouTube tape, you'll see that she opened that door when it wasn't all the way closed, but it was pretty well closed. And she just works her little hand there and then her little needle nose snoot and boom, pops it open. Anyway, enough with the pet tangent here. My team, I'm feeling pretty good with it. I went ahead and took Carol at number two. I think it's kind of wide open after Acuna to go. Carol, Wit, J-Rod. I think you could even go Betts, Tatis there. I don't know where you're at on number two, but I went with Carol. Came back with the big pop with Alonzo. Again, it's just boring, but you know, lock in 35, 40 homers and go from there. Devin Williams, first closer off the board. I went ahead and took him there. Um, my pitching, I, I did go a little risky early there with Yuri Perez because he's he's still so young. But then I kind of uh, went to Logan Gilbert there to stabilize him. Went young with somebody like Cole Reagans, but then went stabilizing with Eduardo Rodriguez. So kind of balancing the two things out there. And then I think the middle of my rotation here is going to be more of bankable guys that have kind of locked in sort of innings uh with my other closer behind Devin Williams I went Andres Munoz right now so a little bit of risk there but still feel pretty good about him other two outfielders are Lars Newbar and Masataka Yoshida batting average I love having batting average and runs uh in a league like this and my three outfielders really deliver that I need some power here in these middle rounds but I feel like I can uh, I can get that I got Volpe and Spencer Steer as well and then Wilson Contreras as my first catcher uh, we talked about this recently that we want to get a top catcher in formats and then the second one can be a bit later even in a format like this because the catcher pool is so deep you got um Real Muto at the higher end I got Wilson Contreras who I think kind of is at the tail end of that group of of big dogs i would have been okay with moreno or heim as well but it was kind of down to those three that i really wanted to make sure i got one moreno and heim went in that round so there's a chance there's it's logical to believe that that was my last chance to get right. uh one of those big catchers there so i feel pretty good about my catchers wouldn't have been there had no, I mean, no chance right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah you go real muto Contreras there uh so what do you yeah. think of my squad uh feel free to be brutal if you think it's crummy I don't think it's crummy. Um, I like the Yoshida pick because I think you had some batting average issues potentially, yes. um, or at least not necessarily issues, but high variance. Um, yeah, and so with I like, Volpe I like and Alonso. Yeah. And I mean, even like, like Carol hit 285. Like I don't expect him necessarily to hit 285 uh, in a sophomore season. Um, you think, think he's going to be in lower? Yeah. I think, I think he's probably closer to 275, 270. As he gets um, into more power or just, are you, you just have some concerns? Maybe against have, the left-handers? Yeah, um, a little bit of the left-handers. Uh, you know, I maybe as he gets in more power, too. I just, I, you know, XBA was, let's see, uh, 269. So, yeah, it just maybe, like I think it comes down maybe a little bit. I don't know that 285, especially against the pitching of that division, especially that just got better with Cal Quantrill, baby. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> that's why I'm wearing the, the Rockies hat. No, seriously, that yeah, is why I'm wearing I, it. I, I, 
I should have put my Rockies jersey on. Um, we're both, you know, we're both fans uh, in different capacities. You've, you've always liked Cal Quantrill. I, I remember uh, doing a fireside chat with Nick. We were doing second half breakouts and I picked Quantrill and he had that crazy second half. And even me as somebody who was picking him, I never thought he was going to be as good as he was because he always is subject to his variance of, of batted ball luck because he doesn't strike many guys out. Um, coming off a rough season, going to Colorado, I have to imagine that that is the death of his fantasy outlook for you with Cal Quantrill. Uh, yeah, I mean, with the caveat that he's like, we were talking about this last episode, like there are guys who go at the end of your DCs or, you know, last 10 rounds of your DCs that are starting pitchers uh, mm-hmm. and Colorado guys are typically in that kind of mix because um, I think he'll drop down into kind of that last 10 rounds of a 50 round draft at home. Uh, and he has value there, right? Like he's not going to be pitching all of his games at Colorado. Um, he's shown himself to be an effective kind of any eating either type, which is kind of type I like, especially late in the draft. So, um, in your traditional 10 and 12 team leagues, he won't even be a streamer most of the time. Uh, but in, you know, 15 team or 12 team 50 round draft and hold leagues, like he's, he's a viable arm at the end of your draft because you're going to get to August and September and not have a ton of arms that are still in rotations, either because of loss of job or injury. And you'll need a guy that you can say, Hey, you know, I don't want to use him next week because he's you know going to be home versus the Dodgers, but this week he's going to San Francisco and I can throw him into my lineup. Okay. So you can still see some avenues uh, you know, your, your, your crush dies hard there with, with, with Cal Quantrill. Yeah. And I get it. You know, it, he would be the kind of guy that manages like a 420 for 160 yeah. innings in Colorado somehow, because he's always been able to pull those rabbits out of his head. I say always, he doesn't have that long of a career, but 383 ERA, 424 fit for Cal Quantrill's career. Uh, any passing thoughts on the, the Braves? I, I also, I also will say, they start off the season on the road, so maybe get a few. You know, it's, it's get, at get, Arizona get a couple at starts Chicago. early. Yeah, maybe. So oh, wait a minute, Tigers interested in Yoshi Yamamoto. We have to talk about that for the remaining of the remainder of the show. <laughs> That's the latest rumor. Uh, John, you take one visit to Detroit and be like, yeah, no. Not, he not adds the Tigers and the D-backs to the list. Um, cool. D-backs I would, love would that. be interesting. That would be really interesting. I don't really think the Tigers are going to get him, but it would be very cool if uh, if they were able to. Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but what about that bummer, Aaron Bummer trade? So it's been a while since I mentioned OTP. You know, I bring up my OTP stuff a lot. But playing that game, playing the base game, and like managing teams, I learned a lot about roster construction and you know Rule Five and forty man mm-hmm. rosters and all that sort of stuff. This to me is a consolidation trade where, yeah, you know. The Braves gave up a lot of name talent. Like people know Soroka, and depending how deeply you follow baseball, you know Schuster, Lopez, and Shoemake as well. So, if, you know, four names for Aaron Bummer, a middle reliever coming off of like a six ERA. What the hell's going on? The bottom line is, I imagine several of those guys were on the 40. I know Soroka, Lopez were for sure. I can imagine that maybe Shoemake uh, and Schuster were. They had to clear 40 man space or potentially lose these guys for free. So, why not put them in a deal? 
where you, oh yeah, in fact, all but Goins occupy spots on the 40-man roster. So they moved four 40-man roster spots to get Bummer. He's under contract. He's a solid lefty that if they feel like they can fix his control a little bit, he could be a nice little badass piece for them uh, making 5.5 mil this year. So I thought it was a nice win-win deal. The White Sox need as much talent as they can get. And even though this will take four 40-man spots, what do they got? You know, they, they don't have yeah. crap that, uh, you know, is worth taking those spots. So these are some pretty solid players here, plus a prospect in Riley Goins. It's not super fantasy relevant because I don't envision a world where um, Bummer gets in the closers role. And maybe Soroka uh, or Schuster finds some viability in, in White Sox world. But is there any deep league play there that you're looking at from this deal here? I mean, maybe Schuster. Um as a, as a guy who could fit into the White Sox rotation, um, even on opening day. Uh, sure. I mean, yeah. Right now, Soroka and Schuster penciled in, according yeah, to the I mean, resource. I think Soroka, if Soroka's healthy, I mean, yeah. the problem is, is Soroka. He's just healthy. never healthy. I, I, yeah, I like him I mean, too. Like we both have talked about our, our fandom of Soroka and want him, wanting him to get back and get healthy. That's just been such an uphill battle that I don't think you can do anything but play the wait and see yeah. game. But Schuster's a 25 year old lefty with some intrigue. You know, the uh, Twitter account that, like, you know, pictures, uh, you know, preceding unfortunate events. Yes. Yes. This feels like a move right before the White Sox trade Dylan sees. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could, see, so. I could absolutely see that. You know, they got two pitchers that they can put in their rotation. Now they can move sees probably get yeah. you know another three or four players because they need to acquire talent whereas a team like the braves needs to consolidate it and whoever they trade cease to like if it's the orioles or something they need to consolidate talent so yeah i could totally 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 see yeah because so. i mean right now with the way things are figuring if soroka's healthy um Schultons is out of the rotation and him triple a and he i think he after what he did especially at the end of the last season i think he should have at least a shot at a rotation spot. So this feels like a trade before a trade um, yep. that uh, they should you make know, multiple moves there in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they're going to tear it down. I mean, that it feels to. like, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I mean, as far as I think, like I said, Schuster, I think is interesting kind of as a deep league um, spec play. Uh, you know, he's got decent stuff, uh, and I think he'll be locked into a rotation spot once opening day comes around. So other than that, like I said, this is clearing room on the 40-man. I mean, I guess in the D.C., Nicky Lopez, um, yeah, because he's going to play he gets some PT, every yeah. day. Yeah, um, I could see it. I, I've never been a fan. Like, even when he had that breakout year, I was 100% not bought in. Um, but if you might need a middle infielder who can maybe get you some bags, he could get 400 plate appearances in Chicago, if not more, because he's a great yeah. defender. So if you just want some boring volume, Ooh, you are on the clock. Steals, I just heard it. Perfect. Okay. Um, he takes Shane Bieber. Cool. All right. So the thrust of our episode here is going to be some sleeper review. We did some sleepers way back when I think it's pick 350 or later. And um, we got to go over them. And I gotta be honest, this could be a nice episode for you more than me. Just reviewing these names, you got more hits than I did. We have a joint player on here that I'm also going to join in on the credit for. And I think I think my my bona fides are established on Spencer Steer. I did defer to you having him there so I could pick somebody different. 
But other than that, man, it's going to be a lot of... Oh, good pick, Justin. Good pick, Justin. <laughs> let's start a catcher. We're, we're we, starting off strong here. Yeah, let's start a catcher <laughs> where we both took a fat L. Uh, and despite how much catcher improved this year and how many guys we saw rise up, they were not our picks that rose up. Uh, you took Joey Bart. I took Nick Fortes. Patrick Bailey became the guy in San Francisco. And I guess instead of worrying about what Bart did this year, which was not much, let's spin it forward. Is there anything left for Bart here that you think could bring him as to bring him to a fantasy relevance uh, in the future? He's still just 27. He wasn't too bad in 2022 with 11 homers and 291 plate appearances and 92 WRC plus. You know, kind of a kind of a NL only C2 in that universe, which is very very deep because most AL and NL only leagues don't even use two catchers. But do you have any hope for Bart, or has he been fully passed by Bailey to where he's only a backup catcher right now? Um, I mean, not only has he been fully passed by Bailey, he's also been fully passed by Blake Sable. Um, does he get traded so, then? Because catchers are always valuable in the market. I mean, I think at some point he's uh, got to get traded, I would assume, right? Like, the hard part is, like, he's not a particularly great catcher in Either. general. Yep. yep. Like, it's not like he could, like, even, like, turn into, I don't know, Jeff Mathis type or something like that. Um, and yeah, he does not have those defensive skills at all. Yeah. Uh, even if he were to improve, uh, like he's just, he's just, yeah, I guess he has decent catching metrics, but just nothing special. Um, man, he was a number two overall pick. I kind of forgot that he was that high. Yeah. Yeah. He was. I didn't hate him uh, at the time either. Like he was, he was a dude coming out of college. Was it, was he, uh, was he Georgia tech? I think so. I think that's right. Um, the problem with Bart is he can't hit anything that's not a fastball. He, oh, he can murder a fastball. He can't hit breaking stuff. He can't hit off-speed stuff. Um, and uh, that is that's a problem. Uh, and big time problem. It, it became really really apparent uh, this year when you know he, obviously he didn't spend very much time in the majors, but even when he did, he had a 143 batting average against breaking balls and a 100 batting average against off-speed stuff. He had 265 against fastballs, but well, that but doesn't as, do anything for you when you can't hit anything other than fastball. Because all of a yeah, sudden... Yeah, because fastball usage decline is declining year over year across the league. And against him, it was less than 50% because pitchers knew all he can do is hit a fastball. That's so the only I, thing that can beat you, you yep. know. I'll throw a fastball maybe out of the zone and see if you chase. But other than that, I'm not going to throw you anything other than a breaking pitch or an off-speed pitch. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think he needs a trade. I think he needs um, a or an organization with better hitting development. Uh, the Giants are a really good pitching developing uh, uh, franchise, but mm -hmm. I don't think they develop hitters particularly well. And you're seeing that with, you know, kind of their hitters coming up, but they're kind of mediocre. Um, and a lot of them are relying on their defense, not their, not their hitting. So uh, I, I think he's go a different organization. Could he figure it out? Yeah, he's a former top tier prospect. I, you know, I'm sure he could figure it out at some point. But with Sable and uh, and Patrick Bailey, though Sable may revert to just being an outfielder. You know, one of the reasons why he 
uh, never got sent down to the minor leagues this year was because he was a rule five draft pick last year and they had mm-hmm. to keep him on the 26 man roster all year. So I wouldn't be surprised if Stable does get sent down at some point um, or is uh, strictly an outfielder because he's not super great behind the plate either. Not a great catcher, no. But uh, Blake Stable did hit pretty well. And if he's only like a once a week catcher that they don't have to do too much with, uh, Bailey's still a work. great catcher. So yeah. like Bailey's all they really need uh, is someone who can, uh, you know, fill in behind the plate. Um, so I don't think that's going to be Bart, though. I do think Bart needs to be moved in a deal at some point. I think he could still get back something of of some note. Uh, obviously, not nearly what he would have gotten back, you know, two three years ago in a trade. But uh, former second pick, second overall pick, twenty seven years old catcher, that's going to have some value in the market. Uh, my pick yeah. was Nick Fortes. We don't need to break it down too too deep. It just didn't really pop off. I thought he could build on some of the things that we had seen the year before. Liked him as a C two. Um, and it was blah six homers four steals 204 average his homer to fly ball rate dipped in half from 12 to six percent which was a bummer he got more pt uh 80 more plate appearances than the year before which was nice i thought he could build on the nine and five with a 230 average that he did in 2022 for nick fortes and it just wasn't wasn't to be he'll be 27 next year i still don't hate him as like a super deep c2 or like your third or fourth guy in like a draft champions because I don't think Jake Stallings like blocks him out completely, but Fortes had an opportunity to kind of overtake things from Stallings and failed to do so uh, to the point where they were back in like a 50, 50. So that was a little bit of a bummer as a short sample that we kind of thought there was a group of us in, in the community fantasy community that liked Fortes. He had some buzz. I bought into it as well. And uh, did you know, didn't, didn't come to fruition. I'm not too bugged out about that. The catcher ones, you know, catchers are hard to uh, hard to hit on. Again, I did mention that you're going to have some hits, but we still don't have hits yet. Let's go to first base. These are pretty <laughs> bland as well. I did my first base breakout breakdown, and my guy was included here. And for the league context that you would have drafted Dom Smith in, we'll start with me on this one. I'm fine with it. Like he was a fine NL only kind of guy, very bland. I'm not trying to take any sort of victory lap on it, but I'll give a shrug, ho hum, C minus on it. Um, I just kind of overstated the level to which his power would come back. And I think we're living in a new reality where he's a, you know, low to mid 100s ISO and not the low to mid 200s ISO that we saw in 19 and 20 when there was the rabbit ball, right? Like 19 is a heavy rabbit ball. But as a commenter pointed out in that article, 2020 had rabbit balls too. So you kind of look at both those seasons, you see that there's such a clear outlier in power for Dom Smith. Um, And I didn't even have him getting all the way back to that. I thought he could be upper 100s power, kind of split the difference. But no, he's just a low 100s ISO, which is slugging minus average, of course. 12 homers. Uh, if you look at my projection for him uh, relative to what he did in that breakout breakdown piece, it was it was pretty good. I had him for 12 homers, 57 runs, uh, or no, 59 runs, 66 ribbies. He went, excuse me, I had 17, 59, 56. He went 12, 57, 46. So I said, I feel fine about it. Let's not spend too much time on Dom Smith. Mike Moustakis was yours. Uh, that was when he was in Colorado, right? And you are just taking yeah, a shot yeah. that he could... He could crush and cover. I had no beef with that. I thought that was a pretty solid pick. He too was like fine for the deep depth of league that you were probably getting him in. 12 homers, 48 ribbies, 247 average. Blah. I don't think we need to get into it much deeper than that. Neither of us hit a big first round, uh, first base 
sleeper. Who cares? No. Remember, getting, Colorado doesn't ass. fix everything and Correct. did not fix Mike Moustakis. Correct. And in fairness, he was much worse with the Angels with a 65 yeah. WRC+. plus. He actually had 100 with the Rockies. So you were kind of being right if he had stayed with the Rockies. Part of the problem was that he got kicked out of the Rockies. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, now we move on to something good. I promised that there were going to be some hits here and you got a massive hit over at second base with Isak Paredes. And now he's so good right now that it might be hard to remember that, you know, he was a late round pick. Like he was somebody that you were taking as a bit of a sleeper. You had him. I had Michael Massey. Uh, Paredes, of course, hit big 31.98. And I think it was Ben Palmer over at B-Ref when I had some kind of like, ah, I'm not really seeing the Isak Paredes love. He kind of came back with like, hey, let me let me put it to you this way. Kind of made the case. I said, you know what? I think you're starting to sell me a bit. So I jumped late on that train of like, okay, maybe I'm being too harsh here. Uh, because, I, I again, I think it was Ben Palmer who loved him. You like the Isak Paredes as well. Great call here. Now the price is elevated. Are you buying back at, at, at the at the now you know higher price for Isak Paredes? I'll get his ADP here in a moment. But where do you stand on Isak Paredes coming into this year when when prices are higher? Um, I mean, and not only are prices higher, I think he, he lost second base eligibility. So outside of Yahoo leagues where 10 years right. second base eligibility. Um, and or, or if you hit two doubles in a game, you get second base eligibility. Exactly. So, you, yeah, if you get if you get to second base twice. So um, I'm okay with the price. but 177 in draft champion. Sorry to interrupt you there. Go ahead. Yeah, I haven't landed on him yet. Um, okay. So... Uh, you know, there's just too many guys going around him that I really like. You know, Willie Adamas going, you know, around that spot. I just well, you took him in the Gladiator. Yeah, yeah, took in the Gladiator. Uh, Jonathan India was a guy I thought about taking in the Gladiator. Dalton Varsho, um, who's a guy that I thought I was going to be out on, and then we had our our first picture Arizona podcast and did a little digging while we were talking. I was like, oh, I actually kind of like the underlying numbers. Same, of yeah. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> I, I like I said, don't have a problem with it, especially if you need first or third base at that point in the draft. But he's he's no longer so underpriced that I'm like going for it. And I think there's a lot of room for aggression uh, in in Paredes' uh, his profile. Like I I would not pencil him in for 30 plus bombs again. Uh, and it's still Tampa Bay uh, who will find ways to. Take guys playing time even when they're playing well. So and he's and he's a righty. So mm -hmm. the risk on Isak Paredes is like he starts to lose versus righty plate appearances, which of course that's the the bigger volume of plate appearances. Of course, if he hits like this again, he's not going anywhere. But you start to hit some struggles. They might be like, okay, well, we're gonna get in this lefty here that you've never heard of, then find another Luke Rayleigh that pops off. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a fair price. I'm not against it, uh, but I too have not quite landed on him yet. He did go just three picks before you took Adamus there. So you are on the right track there with those two being kind of neck and neck, Isak yeah. Paredes and Willie Adamus, but great pick there. Uh, mine was Michael Massey. And, you know, he started to finally show some glimpses late, but didn't didn't come to fruition. I like the way he struck the ball in 22. I figure full season of playing time uh, will give him an opportunity to kind of flourish. And like I said, it just didn't really get going again until the summer. Uh, by then, it was too late to really salvage his line. He wound up with a 73 WRC plus, 15 homers, six steals. I'll tell you what, though, um, looking at everything that, that went down, 
I'm not fully out on a, on a buyback here because the price is going to be even cheaper this year. Now, he, now he's a complete afterthought. He had some buzz last year, Michael Massey did. Now he's going to just be like, okay, that didn't work. Discard him. And I still see some things I like here um, with, with the pop, a little bit of speed. I think the playing time will still be there. And if he can kind of build on some of the stuff that we saw in the summer from Michael Massey, then maybe what I was hoping for this year can come to fruition. I guess it really was only a, a handful of good months. He was kind of up down, dreadful April, amazing May, dog shit June, like impossibly bad 387 OPS, pretty capable in July with four homers, 712 OPS, then a 594 in August, then an 826 in September. My man was just up, down, up, down, up, down. Uh, the bottom line was still pretty bad though. Like I said, 655 OPS, 73 WRC plus late flyer in a dc right now yes standard you know 30 round drafts with seven reserves i'm probably still not drafting him but dcs i'm still in on michael massey what do you think i know you weren't dying to get him last year when when i was talking him up but uh after after seeing a season here where you've got 461 plate appearances where do you stand on what will be a free michael massey in this year's drafts don't call him free <laughs> don't you dare correct me on saying that 349 is the pick price not not very high not free but not very high 340 oh i have oh i i have i did dc's only okay so 433 in all drafts okay so um even freer yeah even freer uh <clears throat> i think michael massey is what i like to call a paul spore specialist Oh God! You know what a Paul Spore special is? A guy who's bad that I like, no matter what. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm wait. I'm waiting to see how this is a diss, but I'm excited. You're just a year too early. Every oh, year, classic. A year God, too God, early. Yes. This I is, love being a year yeah. early. Yes, you love That's being a year I'll, early. Late Thomas. I mean, yep. we can go back many, many mm. uh, years of yes. You calling a breakout and just being a year too early. I love my classic this year. Especially oh, at love the to hear that. price, um, he showed unreal skills growth uh, with just really, really bad luck in the second half. Uh, that's hiding the skills growth. So we're talking about a guy. He hit two thirty-seven. I know that sucks. We had two thirty-eight uh, Babbitt. Like that's not going to stay down there. Uh, he had exemplary plate skills: eight percent swing and strike rate, and ninety-one and a half percent. Uh, zone contact with power, 11 home runs in the second half. Like, I think that Michael Massey could be like, I mean, I don't think he would hit for nearly as much power. So it's not a one for one comp, but mm -hmm. I saw Paredes of 2024. Yes. Uh, where, you know, he's a guy that he's probably not going to hit for a great batting average, but there's no reason he can't hit 260. Um, and I think there's 20 home runs potentially in that bat. And so uh, we, especially with how easily second base dries up uh, uh, this year, and it, it does seem like it dries up pretty good. I think he's a great fallback option at second base or am I um, in a 15 team league Obviously, in your tens and twelves. He's, he's a bench guy, or, or at best, uh, or, or like a watch list, a, wait and see. He's a yeah, a watch list waiver wire type dude. But I think like if I can get him, you know, around pick four hundred in leagues, or even around pick three fifty, like I'm fine with that. Like that's 
I think that, you know, he's one of those guys that's not going to hurt you if he doesn't pan out. But I think he's going to play pretty regularly at second base for the Royals, um, which is, you know, a team that I think is going to get better and better. And um, and I think uh, he has the underlying skills to translate into pretty decent surface stats. Uh, so I'm I'm actually pretty excited about Michael Massey. I think this is just you were just one year too early. I love it. And again, I will accept that. That is uh, definitely not something that's new to me. And there was a period there where it was every sport too. I still remember being a year early on like Kevin Love and Derek Rose in, in uh, basketball. And I was like, why why is this baseball is one thing where I'm a year early, but now this is carrying over into other fantasy sports. I play this is nightmare. So I'm sticking with him. And that's the thing that like, I, I feel like I'm pretty good about sticking with guys, even when they do fail me a little bit. Um, but I'm not going anywhere on Massey. And I remember texting Jeff, Jeff Zimmerman at the end of the season said, I'm sticking with our boy Massey. What about you? And he said, yeah, you know, I see some things too that, that make it worth sticking. So I love to hear you co-sign that too. Let's continue to move on. Let's talk some short stops. Another couple duds, but again, I, I promise, I promise there's more hits coming. Third base, outfield, starting pitcher. Justin has hits in all of them. Uh, we, were, we weren't dreadful here. Again, these are sleepers. They don't have to be amazing to be okay picks here. But you had Luis Garcia on the Nats, and I had Elvis Andrews. I went with the boring old guy to kind of repeat. He didn't do it. Uh, Luis Garcia went 9-9 homers and steals with an 84 WRC plus 266 average. Again, wasn't great. You, you're you not pretending that this was some gigantic win, but did you see anything in a 23-year-old Luis Garcia season that keeps you invested in him going forward? Is he in that Michael Massey class where you were a year early, or have you changed your tune on Luis Garcia for the Nats? I mean, the problem isn't with Luis Garcia. The problem is with the Nats. Like, there was no reason they should have sent him down. Um, and had he gotten to play a full season, uh, I think you'd be looking at his line and going, okay, you know, he wasn't a breakout necessarily, but he wasn't bad at all. Uh, you know, I mean, in, in 482 plate appearances, what, 9-9, you know, given 600 plate appearances, you're looking at maybe a 13-13 or a 14-14 mm-hmm. kind of guy. And I would have been fine with that considering where he's going. Um it's hard to understand. Didn't even mention when we we're talking about Dom Smith, the, the uh, designated uh, Dom Smith earlier. That's week. right. Um, so, but it, it's hard to understand like what the organization is doing. This is a guy who's a former top prospect of yours. Uh, you're not playing for anything. You've already started his clock. Like, what did he need to learn in AAA? Um, I, I I don't quite get it. So, uh, I like Luis Garcia still, um, and one of my favorite parts is he kind of added stolen bases to his game, which wasn't something uh, I was necessarily expecting. Um, you know, second half, like the skills were really, really good. Um, five home runs, four stolen bases, nine over 90% zone contact under 10% swing strike rate. Um, or sorry, four home runs, five stolen bases, uh, 14% strikeout rate. Like I think he is very much Michael Massey ish. Um, yeah. the, the only problem with Garcia is, like I said, at the top is it, the nationals. I don't know that I trust the nationals not to find some random old player to play ahead of him. Um, maybe my you know. pick Elvis Andrews. Yeah. So <laughs> they, like, bring, they bring him in. 
the Nationals are trying their best to become the Rockies East. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's a little frustrating. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, Garcia, you know, he finished the year, you know, playing very regularly and hitting fifth in the lineup. That's I like that. Not a bad spot, especially. Mm-hmm. I, I don't imagine they're adding a lot of big bats this offseason. So I think there's a good chance of getting hit in the middle of that lineup and be just a cheap accumulator that's perfect for deeper, you know, leagues, especially BCs. Yeah, I, I'm, I co-sign all that on Garcia. I'm not going to quit him either. He can be age 23, 24 season next year. Um, if that stolen base component, you know, if we can extrapolate that to like double digits over 150 game season, as long as they don't call up Alcides Escobar again and see what he's up to, yeah, exactly. I think we should like be that. good there. Uh, Andrus, again, speaking of of old guys, I did go for him. You know, he went 17-18 the year before, and I thought he could run it back because I thought he was just going to get the PT. I mean, he got four and six plate appearances, which is a, a drop down from the 577 from the year before, but he still only went six and 12. It was boring. I don't think it's a complete flop because you can get out from under it. That's the thing with a lot of these two. Um, you can get out from under them if the, if things aren't working out. But whatever, we don't have to spend any time on on Elvis Andrews. He'll be thirty five next year if he lands I mean, somewhere. I don't think Maybe it's a flop at all. He was free, oh, like he was legitimately free, and he stole twelve bases for you. He hit two, like he wasn't like a drain on your batting average. Like where you were getting him and the types of leagues you were getting him, uh, which were draft champions, you weren't drafting him yeah. in, in a regular league. Like he was fine. Like that, and if it's a DC where you got Andrus, he was bad for the first half. And so in the second half, by the time you probably needed guys to fill in, you can make a case that he was there for mm-hmm. you for some middle infield fill-ins when he was putting up a 801 OPS and 305 average in the second half. So yeah, not not a bad grade. I'll take I'll take like a C it, plus B minus on that. Yeah, I mean in baseball terms, like you know, obviously we want to focus on the home runs, but like yes. this was a single. Like this yeah, is you yeah. got a, you got on first base, like. You know, I think Luis Garcia was an infield hit for you, like a little little scratch single. So, okay, we're pretty good on that one. But now you hit a grand slam here. And again, I'm taking a little bit of credit on this because I I did defer. This was one of my like Friedel-esque type of guys. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to say Spencer Steer at third base. Everyone knows I'm obsessed with him. You picked him. We double co-sign on that. We both get huge credit there. Brian Anderson was my guy. Looked good early. I'm thinking. He was was great to start the season. both getting a pluses here he came back to earth uh in a big way he crashed back to earth in fact he he, he wasn't even back Look, to 2018 19 it, levels it probably didn't hurt you because so like i i needed a corner infielder in my auction um league my uh, nfbc auction league, mm-hmm. and i took brian anderson for a dollar um and it was like i don't really believe in him but I think he's going to play and, uh, you Might know, as well. and I can just, I can just use him until I find someone else. And like I said, he was fantastic to start the season and then he got hurt. And so you, yep. I dropped him. Like, so then you're out I, from under it. Yep. And so like, it actually worked out really, really well. I think for a lot of people, if you just dropped and moved on, like you should have. Yeah. I think that's a good point too. Like that. Don't let these picks kill you. Move on. He gets hurt. Brian Anderson does, as unfortunately he's done quite a bit recently. And you move on after the fast start. Uh, Steer, massive homer for you. A great, great pick. And I, 
I actually went back and listened to that one to see like what I said because I knew he was one of my dudes and I was like, okay, I didn't want to pick a guy that I'd been on, um, but what do you think? You highlighted the hole in the top of his swing, but you said he could overcome it mm-hmm. and you know just kind of flourish despite that in that beautiful park. And what did he do? He went and flourished despite that in that beautiful park. 23 homers, 15 steals, 271 average, 86 ribs, 74 runs. The price is up now, right? Price of poker has gone up. I took him in the Gladiator. I'm obviously still bought in. He's a round pick 100 now. He has triple eligibility, first, third outfield. By the way, for some reason, he's not first in the Gladiator. He played 57 games there, so I'm not entirely sure what's going on with that one. I need to talk to... Do you already have a first baseman? Well, yeah, but I should still be able to put him there, right? If you maybe if you move that first baseman somewhere oh, else, oh, you're right. You I'm a there. dumbass. Yeah, it's it, not generally the answer is Paul's a dumbass. If something is quote unquote yeah. wrong, you're right. You're that's exactly what it was. I moved Pete Alonso to utility and Steer has first base. Okay, well, user yeah. error. At any rate, first third outfielder for Steer, so still triple eligibility. Price is exponentially higher, of course. Now two hundred plus picks. Are you still buying at the elevated price for Spencer Steer? Do you believe that he can maintain high quality? Um, I mean, I think he can do something somewhat similar to what he did this last year. Um, I think the batting average probably comes down a little bit. Maybe the power comes down a little bit. Um, I think maybe the playing time just in general comes out. There are a lot of pieces in Cincinnati and the reports yep. are they do not want to trade anybody. They are just going to, they, you. You know, they want that depth, um, you know, especially because it gives them, you know, if somebody flops like Ellie doesn't figure out the strikeout issues. Yep. They have the ability then to send someone down and not create a hole in the or, roster. Or injuries, so, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I don't say that I told you so, like trying to rub it in your face. I'm just saying, we we talked about that. I was like, are they going to move one of the big pieces? It's like they could, but they don't have to because you got to keep some depth. Injuries happen. Jake Fraley's had yep. injury issues. Your boy Friedel plays with reckless abandon. I think I messaged yeah. you three different times during the year with uh oh Friedel because he crashed into the yeah. wall so devastatingly. The outfielders come over, pick him up. That looks bad, and he's back hitting the next inning because he's a stud like that. I should I should have yeah. trusted that he's Captain America, but you know McLean <laughs> ended up getting hurt. So I think they're going to keep. India has a long track record of of getting hurt. So that could lead into Steer's time, what you're saying naturally, just by rotating all these guys in. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that doesn't even account for maybe they make an addition in the offseason offensively as well, because, you know, they have an extremely young team that doesn't cost very much. So, you know, now's the time to try to build around these guys. Um, So, do I think that Spencer Sears is going to be replaced and lose all his playing time, become a platoon player? No, no, I'm not saying that at all. But, you know, how many guys do you reasonably project for 665 plate appearances, which is what Steer had in 2023? Nice. I, I don't think you do that, right? Like, yeah, uh, I think you probably project him for 575 and just that projection alone drops him to being like, you know, maybe a 2012 guy. Um in terms of you know home runs and stolen bases with like a 250-ish, 260-ish batting average, mm-hmm. um, which is fine, especially because he's triple eligible. But I'm not jumping for joy taking him around pick 100 when there are guys who have really experienced track records uh, going around him 
you know, who currently, uh, like I said, I'm using different uh, ADP lists than you are, but uh, on the one I have, he is listed in between Nick Castellanos and Alex Bregman. That's the pretty established guys. Pretty established guys. Um, now, I love him in DCs uh, and in 15 team leagues and just in general because of that triple eligibility. But, uh, you know, it's a little bit more risk than I think maybe the ADP suggests. So, uh, I think that's fair. You know, I, I, I love that he was my call for this, uh, for yes. this, for this position. Big dub there. Big um, but that won't mean I'm going to necessarily be going back to the well a bunch. I'll definitely have steer on a few teams, but um, he's not a huge target for me this year. Yeah. And he underscores, you know, a lot of these, the, the hits, they underscore how much price changes things. I think we were saying that a little bit with Paredes because just because you love the guy at, at the low price doesn't mean you're ready to pay full freight on a guy. Um, you know, things drastically change when you're when you're adding 200 plus picks to the cost, which we're seeing with guys like Paredes and Steer. Let's go to the outfield. And Friedel was one of yours, of course, because he's a stud. You went Friedel Margot. I went Alec Thomas Oswaldo Cabrera. So let's start with the Friedel love. Obviously, we talked about him at the outset with his MVP vote. His price also going up. I'd be surprised if you're out because, again, that's your dude. He's at pick 151 in the DCs, 15 DCs from uh, since October 1st is when I'm looking. Oh, you know what? I know why my shit's outdated. I didn't change the date. I'm a moron. Actually, from the 12th to the 15th, there haven't been any DCs completed. That's interesting to me because I just updated it and that it didn't change at all. But anyway, well, the, the gladiators started and a lot of people moved. So everyone's going us. there. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. That's a good point. So he's 150 there. Friedel is in the DCs, 143 in the gladiators. So he's kind of maintaining that same price in both. What do we think of TJ Friedel now at a higher cost? 150 still seems fair, you know, 10th, 11th rounder. Are you paying that for your boy, TJ Friedel? And what do you expect in year two of, uh, of Friedel? I mean, we're talking about a guy who has, you know, decent pop, you know, it's nothing to jump for joy about or anything, but you know, he had 18 home runs. Um, he's obviously assisted by that, uh, that great part because 13 yes. of his 18 home runs came at home, but that uh, he's ain't got, going anywhere either. Yeah. He's got great contact skills, you know, 91% in zone contact, uh, you know, uh, like I think a six or 7% swinging strike rate. Um, and he leads off for one of the most exciting offenses in baseball in the best parking baseball to hit in, um, or he's, you know, first or second going to be in that lineup. So, I mean, I, I don't know what there's not to love. And um, I'm, I'm, a, of course, I'm going to be going back to the well, especially because we're not having to pay. Like when, when Cedric Mullins was my yes, breakout call. It's a good example. And, um, and, you know, TJ Friedel was like the kind of leadoff guy for my, you know, this year Cedric Mullins uh, piece, uh, you know, back in January, February, whenever I read it. Um, when Cedric Mullins had the breakout uh, that I called, uh, the next year you had to spend a fucking second, you know third. second third round pick i took him at the 15 16 turn in arizona fall league partially for the meme but um like you're not having to spend that price on tj Friedel. i yeah. mean i just got him in what what round was it it was in the 10th round 
So, there you go, right, right around ADP. Yeah. So, like, that to me, I love guys like this, especially when you're getting him outside of the top 130, 140 picks, um, that people don't really identify as as valuable as they are because they don't hit for a ton of power or they, you know, the Brandon Nimmo guys mm-hmm. uh, type guys, but they lead off, they lead off on good offenses and runs. I think are one of the most underappreciated stats. We say it all in, the time for a reason. Yeah. You know, for pitchers, it's whip for, for, uh, for hitters, it's run scored. And I think that Friedel's one of those guys that, he's just a you know he's not a huge value but he's a good value and i want a lot of good values on my team yeah i think that that all makes a ton of sense and i totally agree and uh i co-signed your friedel just as you co-signed my fraley we were both in on the fr boys in the uh, cincinnati outfield believe it or not i didn't take fraley in this probably because of the thing of like again i'm picking the same guys all the time but i should have i could have gotten a hit there uh manny margot a guy you have liked for multiple years uh, has that ship sailed down? Yeah. Is he just a short I mean, side just, platoon outfielder? Yeah. I, mean, I think Josh Lowe just crossed that one. Yeah. Like, yeah Four homers, like nine in. steals, 93 WRC plus. Like, he, again, he wasn't bad. I, I'll give you, again, that's a single for the for the yeah. leagues that you're drafting him in. All the other leagues where maybe you got to cut him, you can so he doesn't hurt you. So I'll give you a, a single on, on Margot as well. Yeah. You know, he has a hard time staying healthy. He's not playing full time. Um, he, yeah, just, I think it's time to just move on, you know? Uh, I mean, now, like, I'm sure the price is not existent. Um, what if you were moved somewhere where it looked like he could get 64? I mean, he is free. That is, I I will co-sign you saying free there. Okay. So let's say he gets moved like to my tigers or something. Cause we got a bunch of left-handed outfielders. Would that intrigue you? A, a, really. a mid, middling or low level team. Okay. Cause I still, I still think he's probably a platoon bat. Like he would yeah. need an injury. Um, yeah. I mean, he hits lefties. Well, right. He didn't get right. He's poorly necessarily. Um, he was kind of even but, this year, but he has about a hundred point platoon split over his career for Margot's uh, favorite yeah. lefties, which makes him a short side guy. So I was just checking to see if it was team context with the PT or if you're worried that it's a skill context scenario, and I think you're saying that it is, it is at least if he, partly skill. If, if he ended up in a situation where I went, oh, there's a really easy, clear path to playing time, mm-hmm. um, then I could go, yeah. I mean, Tigers, I guess. The Tigers got young outfielders. Like, I'm not. Can we give the, like the, the always easy one, like, you know, the best place to hit in the universe? Like, what if the Rockies got him? I mean, I would be down for that, obviously. Um, but I'm thinking more like, what is a place that desperately needs a center fielder and then can't keep guys, you know, in the outfield, um, uh, uh, or just desperately needs a better defensive outfield? I'm thinking my San Francisco Giants. Like, it's so not a great like, park, like that. But it's better. I for wouldn't mind that. Yeah, it's better for righties. Um, he would probably play every day because of his defense. Mm-hmm. And you have to assume they're going to run more with a new manager, um, you know, uh, and Kapler being gone. So, like, that kind of move would be like, oh, that's interesting to me. Um, but ultimately, 
he's a DC pick. You're not draft. I mean, if you're if you're doing a regular thirty Same round league. draft, yeah, yeah. I mean, pick six sixty is like it's legitimately free. Yeah, it should be like a fifty round draft and hold is what DCs are. Six sixties, forty fourth round. It should be mid forties or later round that you're taking him uh, with Manuel Margot, and then we can reassess if he is moved. Um, but that, that's that's our own rumoring. We're, there's no rumors that Tampa Bay is looking to move him. Uh, let's talk about my guys, Alec Thomas and Oswaldo Cabrera. Obviously, Thomas kind of enhanced his profile a bit in the playoffs by having some real clutch hits. Um, you know, nine and nine, but a 71 WRC plus. It just wasn't there. There were fits and starts where it looked like, oh, is he going to be a dude? And he would be like kind of a hot pickup on the main event. Uh, landscape for a week and then it wouldn't come to fruition and he starts to trickle back onto wires and oh he had another homer or two and then looking like he's catching fire again nope false start so like i said ups and downs ups and downs but then a big playoff does that intrigue you at all or is that just a small sample goodness and we move on um I'll, I'll cut to the chase on me i'm still in on thomas he's 24 i still fully believe in him i think this is another classic spore year early piece but i'm curious what your thoughts are on alec thomas and if you are at all influenced by the playoffs which i will give you the numbers are um only 222 271 463 it wasn't like he was just dominating all the time but he hit four homers and that's notable when he hit nine in 400 plate appearances to tack on another four on the biggest landscape and 59 plate appearances is it small sample goodness or is it a little trickle into the power that we think Alec Thomas can have? So, uh, one, this is another Paul Spore special. Um, I think this, I think he, uh, but I'm not um, encouraged by the playoffs. I am infuriated by the playoffs. <laughs> I am uh, annoyed by the playoffs. I am um just uh i feel betrayed by the playoffs are you doing a steven uh, because, smith right now steven a smith no not but I when should. he was like bamboozled that, that, that's what i thought you were going for that i love it but okay so tell us why you're so upset by alec thomas's four because playoff, now the four lights, playoff surge the lights on him right like this that's a good was point a guy that i had already circled as like this is gonna be one of my dudes this is gonna be this year's tj friedel this year's yes um cedric mullins and now he's, he's still cheap enough to be that he's still cheap enough yeah. to be that it's it's uh 381 I'm, I'm so how many drafts do you have when you're doing yours right now 20 28 drafts for him um for alec thomas yeah 28 drafts yeah i'm doing the composite now too so that the composite includes draft champions uh 15 of them six gladiators and 10 NFBC 50s. So I'll use the yeah. same composite that you're on, so we're on the same page here. So that's 381 for Alec Thomas. That's that's not bad, but I bet you the four playoff homers probably cost us 100 picks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I probably. Think so. Yeah, and maybe even more than that. Like, I think he legitimately could have been, like, a round pick 550. Um, if, uh, yeah, uh, I'm hoping that maybe he's one of these guys that loses steam at some point, like, as you know, the playoff memories start to fade, people or they, start they going, bring well, in an outfielder that people mm-hmm. wrongly think is going to hamper him when it's actually not because yeah. his defense is so good and he's only 24 years old. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that, that like TJ Friedel is potentially a really, really good comp here. Um, yep. not that I think he's not that I think Thomas will ever lead off, uh, for uh, the Diamondbacks, uh, not because with Carol, he just doesn't. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he doesn't walk. Like he's just not yeah. he's not gonna hit at the top lineup. What he did do towards the end of the season though was hit fifth a lot. Um and what he does is one of the you know, you and I obviously talk about it um decently, but I think it's the most under discussed aspect of fantasy baseball and it's his defense. His defense mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, and we'll keep him on the field even when he struggles, and there will be struggles. Uh, I see him as a guy who could hit, you know, double digit home runs and steal 25 plus bags with a good batting average um, and be just a really, really good accumulator because he's playing every single day. Uh, now, there's also the, you know, risk that he's just not in the majors. Like, um, now I think that risk is lessened because of the defense, but we saw it. You know, I, I, he was a guy I was in on last season as well. Uh, and then all of a sudden he wasn't on the team anymore. So yep. uh, I think the defense and his postseason heroics gives him an opening day spot that he should be able to keep all year. Uh, and so I really do like Alec Thomas a lot. And like I said, I think if the price doesn't get too out of control, he'll be on the, you know, this year Cedric Mullins or this year's TJ Friedel piece. Or even in this space again next year when we do sleepers, because I'm I'm still mm-hmm. fully in, and unless his price gets inside the top 300, then Al Thomas will still qualify for it, and I'll be able to get him. Is Oswaldo Cabrera another year early? I thought he could find playing time as a super util at third, a little bit of outfield, maybe some other infield spots, giving guys days off, and kind of dot some power and speed there for the Yankees. It did not go well. Five homers, eight steals, and 330 plate appearances with a 60 WRC plus for the 24 year old Oswaldo Cabrera. Um, I'm not fully out on him, but I'm not nearly as still stayed in as I am with Thomas. Again, I think Thomas is going to break out this upcoming year. Whereas I think Cabrera is somebody I will probably buy again, particularly in DCs, but I'm not so gung ho that we have to get him. But what do you think of Oswaldo Cabrera? Not to be confused with Oswald Peraza. What do you think of Cabrera? I mean, we just talked about him last episode. So I mean, we don't have to go into too much depth, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I I think he. It a lot of it just depends on what the Yankees do. You know, do the Yankees bring in outfield bats? Because um, yeah. I think he does. Like while he can play everything, he's um, not good infield. He's not good infield. They've got good infielders, uh, good young infielders, uh, and uh, I think he probably you know is their opening day left fielder if they don't bring someone in because I think you can beat Jake Bowers out. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. We did talk about that. I remember that. Okay. So yeah, yeah we got into those young Yankees. If you want to hear more on Oswaldo Cabrera, go there. Mm-hmm. Since we still have pictures to get through, let's go ahead and move on. If I had told you that we did mm-hmm. three of our four sleeper pitchers were Tigers, you might have laughed at that. But the Tigers ended up having some nice pitching. The problem is only one of our three really hit. But let's talk about your Eduardo Rodriguez love. Might be hard to remember, but people were kind of down on him coming into the year. And so he was a bit of an afterthought after the tumultuous season that included some time away from the team to deal with some family issues and whatnot. Uh, Only had 91 innings with a 405 ERA, 133 whip, playing on a bad team. Nobody's really that gung-ho about getting Erod. Boom, 330 ERA, 115 whip in 153 innings. Had another injury, unfortunately, but other than that, everything went very well for him. Great pick by you. He also took Matthew Boyd. That one didn't quite work out uh, as well there. In fact, it went quite poorly, but 
the Erod one was excellent. So talk about your two Tigers lefties and where you stand on them going forward. Erod did, in fact, opt out. Doesn't mean he can't renegotiate with the Tigers and, and go back there. But maybe another team ponies up. We'll have to see what happens with him. What do you think about those two, uh, Erod and Boyd? Yeah, I mean, Erod's just one of those guys that I feel like he got completely buried after his you know tumultuous 2022 season which included you know real off the field problems right that you know affected him clearly on the field um as he like walked away from the game for a little bit and that's it you know we were drafting him as a you know sp2 or three coming into the 2022 season he didn't have like an injury which has been kind of the bugaboo he had this yep. you know uh you know this off the field problem that kind of cost him that season so I was willing to buy back in, especially at the reduced price. Glad I did. For me, a lot of it's going to depend on where he ends up. Um, you know, we know he's probably going to an East Coast team. Uh, the question is, which East Coast team is uh, is going to be uh, the spot from? I'd love him. I'd love Erod to end up back in Detroit. I think Stay that with was, the Tigers, please. Yeah, I think that was a fantastic location for him. He's clearly comfortable there. Uh, it's a good park to pitch in, a great division to pitch in. My fear is he's going to end up in like Boston. Um, oh, going back which, to Boston. Yeah, which uh, would be uh, uh, not as great of a spot in terms of park and, and division. So, uh, back to Baltimore. I'm, That's where he started. I would love that. Like, how that, great would that, that be? Yeah, I mean, it's still a, a tough division to pitch in. Um, but uh, I mean, that park would just be unreal for him. Uh, I just don't know that. Even though the the Orioles have plenty of money to spend because their payroll so effing low, I just don't know if they're gonna I know. pony up a long term deal on on a guy like Erod. Uh, so, uh, well, we'll see. But yeah, to me, I think the price is fine. Like, a, like where you yep. got him in this draft, like uh, that we're doing right now, I think it's totally fine for Erod. Uh, I'm just interested to see, you know, a place like Boston. Not only do I think that hurts him a little bit, it'll raise his price. Like. You know, yes, uh, and I agree. so I think the only place Baltimore that would really, too, by the way, just so we're clear. Yeah, I think any place will outside of Detroit, and that's why I wanted yeah. to go back to Detroit because I think people will go, All right, well, nothing really changes, and so uh, or he might even drop a little bit because I don't think people see the Tigers as necessarily a competitive team in uh, in 2024. So, uh, Dude. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope he goes back to your Tigers. I think it's like I said, I think it was a great fit for him. Uh, Matthew Boyd is done, so we don't think we need to. I mean, I'm sure he'll try to come back. Yeah, but but in terms of fans, yeah, yeah, just I just off, off the radar. I agree. Yeah, uh, my picks were Spencer Turnbull, Dre Jameson. Uh, Spencer Turnbull may be done with the Tigers too. He's had some turmoil with the front yeah. office. I think today is actually the tender day too to figure out if he's even going to be uh, uh, offered a contract. Or if, you know, right now they're saying the right things, but sometimes you got to read between the lines a little bit there. And maybe they do keep him around and they think they can mend the relationship. But I think Scott Harris, even if he plans to get rid of him, it doesn't undercut saying like, oh, he's going to compete for a role. We still believe in him. Because of course you're saying that while you have the guy. But then push come to shove on a decision, they might decide to non-tender him and then we'll see what happens there. Um, and then my other pick was Dre Jameson, who... Another like fits and starts kind of guy where he showed some things. Brandon Fought was another guy that we had talked about in that same capacity. Ryan Nelson, Brandon Fought, and Dre Jameson were kind of three guys battling for two spots. Uh, Dre J, you know, 
332 ERA, but a 143 whip. It was only in 40 and two-thirds innings. The problem was he got moved to the bullpen. And, you know, I was trying not to be too influenced by four starts in 2022. That's not why I picked him. Um, I still believe he has a lot of talent, 26 years old. But I think he's gotten surpassed a bit. And his inability to kind of keep base runners uh, at bay has has left it difficult to start him. So I think Dre Jameson could get stuck in the bullpen a little bit. Uh, I don't hate him there. I think he can be a, a viable major leaguer and maybe even finagle his way into the ninth inning because I don't think they have a set closer. Um, Paul Seawald, I don't think, is an immovable force back there. He could be the fireman and Dre Jameson could be the closer. Who knows? But uh, I'm not really in on him even as a draft champions pick. What do you think of Dre J or Turnbull? Any, any thoughts there? No. I just, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you nailed it. Like, though. I just, yeah, just, just Let's, those, those are actual misses. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, take, I'll take L's on those for sure. Yeah. They added nothing so. for you. And uh, I'll take fat, fat L. Uh, our closer picks were kind of L's as well. We went for the lesser teams trying to get some closers because the, the good team closers were all full price. Like you're paying full freight for saves these days. So you really got to go for the long shot. Danny Jimenez, your pick for Oakland, he pitched well, 347, 107 ERA whip in 23 innings, but had one save, and it was only 23 innings. He didn't really get the opportunity. They also had like nine wins all year, so you could have yeah, only gotten like seven, eight more saves. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you an income. I'll give you a, a, a whatever on that. Like it didn't hurt anybody, but it certainly didn't kill anybody. And then I took Fulmer, who the problem is like he did get some saves, but by the time he did, you might've already cut him unless you were drafting him in a um, draft champions. And to be honest, I didn't realize he only got two. If you had asked me how many saves Fulmer got, yeah. I thought it was closer to like seven or eight. So yeah, I'll take an L on that. 442 ERA, 133 whip. Looked for a moment like he was going to be the guy. He didn't seize the opportunity. He ended up getting bypassed and eventually Albert Alzley took over that job. I think at 31, Fulmer's probably just a middle reliever from here on out. Yeah. And I mean, so. Jimenez is too. I mean, the problem with Jimenez, I mean, Fulmer just was garbage. Just the problem. Yeah. Like, he just didn't pitch. He, well. just, he, he just didn't pitch well. And by the time he started to recover, it was, you know, Alzale just entrenched himself in that role and what wasn't, um, you know, and Fulmer was just an afterthought. Uh, Jimenez got hurt right when it was kind of still an open competition. Yep. And then by the time he came back, like they just kept going to Trevor May. So, um, and plus, like I said, they didn't really win many games. So it wasn't like, even if he had gotten that job late on the season, it would have mattered much. Uh, May retired though. I, could him, could him NS sneak back in? I mean, he I'm theoretically could. Um, Cause he uh, was good in 22, 11 saves, 341, 119 ERA whip. Like, I wonder if it might be worth running it back. You know, as your your fiftieth pick in a DC to try to get some saves there. I mean, I don't. Yeah, think right now we oh, have Lucas Urseg as, uh, which is funny because I still remember him I, as a hitting prospect. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say, like those of you who play Dynasty, like probably remember him as like a a Brewers hitting prospect That's that right. like you know couldn't make enough contact. So uh, it's funny to me that uh, he uh, that he's made transition as a pitcher. I mean, one. I just don't care like about yeah, the Yeah, that's open, the thing. Open. It's just like they'll you know, win more than fifty DC, this year, but not many more. Okay. Like I mean, I, well, I've been wrong versus you on on the Oakland thing. Well, and, and uh, here's the funny thing: is, so the, you know, yesterday they approved you know 
them the the A's moving to Las Vegas, but obviously they they're not going to actually be moving for a couple more seasons. Um, so they have to play. How much of a fucking just um, troll job would it be for the owner to be like, now that it's official, I can put a better product on the field? Oh my god! And then all of a sudden they go. They you know, like start actual... building up for like you know excitement when you actually move to Oakland. Um, it'll be interesting oh, oh, to see oh, when they happens. move to Vegas. Or sorry, move to Vegas. Yeah, uh, I think their lease with the A's or with the Coliseum runs out after this year, but their stadium won't be ready until twenty twenty seven. Oh yeah, that's so, right. So like, what's what are they going to do in the interim? I don't think anybody knows. That's awesome. Sick yeah. organization you got there. Really doing a they maybe job. they take over the the what the Las Vegas Aces. Yeah. Uh, which oh my god. Then, then Lucas Orsek might get back to hitting because yeah. you can get you can hit mad bombs there. Um I have such disdain for the ownership uh, in Oakland that my friend was playing out a OTP sim and Oakland became a powerhouse and he was facing them in the World Series. And they lost, and I found out that John Fisher still owned the team in this fictional video game world, and it pissed me off for a minute. Yeah, like, even even video game John Fisher doesn't deserve happiness. I was happy for the <laughs> Oakland fans, but not for John Fisher. Anyway, that wraps up our sleepers. I think you know Justin clearly gets a fat dub over me here in these picks with some major excellent picks. Well done on Isak Paredes, Spencer Steer, TJ Friedel, and Eduardo Rodriguez. Those were the biggest hits. Some decent ones sprinkled in, and some guys that could again. A reappear in this space come spring when we do this again um, but it's always fun to look back and kind of really see where these were our thought processes i think we're pretty strong on a lot of these doesn't mean that they're all going to become right because these are these are low probability picks by by their very nature so the fact that you even got four legitimate home runs is a big deal so great work there and it probably speaks to you know at least has a contributing factor to your overwhelming success this year as you were hitting guys in all facets of the draft you got to hit some sleepers you got to hit your mid-tiers and of course you got to avoid disaster up front so again another vehicle to say great job on this year man you really you really went to the drawing board after the tough last season came back kicked ass eager to see what you can do again here in 24 we'll be back on monday and we'll just have one episode next week because of the holiday um are you back chatting um i haven't chatted yet but maybe i will okay, next I, week yeah it's, it's, it's been up to you. kind of saying. rough i it's been rough for those who don't know my wife had both and my kid had surgery yeah double uh, surge yeah, yeah so we talked on monday about my, double surge kids doing better wife is still struggling and so i haven't really been able to do anything this last week unfortunately so i'm hoping that maybe i'll get back to my full schedule next week uh though it may with with a holiday it's a holiday I week just, I, yeah. I say don't force it if you can't but i just was asking because i opened my chat back up this past week i am going to do one on wednesday i put in that chat like hey are people going to be around i got a lot of commentary or got a lot of comments and a few twitter dms saying hey i'm going to be around if you're going to do it so i should have enough in the queue uh but if you just want to wait till the holiday week is over and then get yeah, back to probably going, will that makes sense uh but my chats will be pretty consistent there'll be an occasional one for a holiday I, I don't know where christmas lands this year or whatever but for the most part they're back i took october off it was a good recharge but i'm back i am 
already neck deep in 2024 stuff. Like you said, we're doing this gladiator. Uh, we're both working on projections. I am amped. So I hope yeah, you have a great I gotta weekend. I got to go fix hope. my, uh, my Nikki Lopez projections. You got to amp that race. up with the White yeah. Sox. Hope everything gets better with Danielle and uh, we'll talk on Monday. Take it easy.